What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet table. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. <sighs> well, we're here, Kevin, without Barry. First of all, that's the first good news. Oh, yeah, yeah. Second good news is we're joined by Brad Sham. Brad Sham, who's at the Fresh Market in Capel. Market Street. Market Street. Get this right. Okay, I'm get that there's, wrong. There's some people, Evan, that it's hard to help. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You buy them books, you send them to school, and then they, they eat the books is what happens. Yeah, there uh, you go. And we are also, you know, sitting here on the... Uh, on the verge of the 12 and two Cowboys and potentially clinching home field advantage all the way through. So, uh, where do you want to start, Brad? You want to start with what's going on with the chopped romaine there, or do you want to start with some Cowboys talk? Chopped romaine looks, looks pretty good. This is my son. And I believe he asked for Caesar dressing and he asked for a, a big bag of chopped romaine. So I believe there's a Caesar salad in his future. That is so great. What? You know, we usually don't ever talk about lettuce on this uh, podcast. So the well, fact that we're that getting may, that, is, that may be the problem here to four. Yeah, it could have been. Could have been. Uh, I, and I've always been more of an endive guy, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, I said I got it for my son. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's talk about what everybody in Market Street is probably talking about right now, and that is that we can stand down on Dak uh, panic. Uh, alert and uh, everything's okay there, right? Why? Why were we on alert? I mean, the guy won eleven games in a row. I don't know how much more you you want him to do. This fan base, uh, I, I I would really uh, love to to have you guys discuss how many other cities in America would have a rookie quarterback taking a team. That people weren't sure was going to be playoff worthy to uh, an eleven and two record going into last night's game, and them be talking about benching the guy. I mean, how many? Where else does that happen? Why is that, guys? Why do you think that is? Listen, I think what we have to be careful about here is it's, we used to before social media, which I've worked in this business long enough that there was no social media at one time. You very, worked in this. It was a very business. blessed time. Uh, is that you, papers were still carved on tablets? They certainly were. Uh, was that we were wary of what we called the soccer moms? That the soccer moms were very vocal about calling in and wanting us to write more about soccer, and we got more calls about soccer than about anything else. And but we were well aware of the fact this was just a very vocal minority, and so we did not dictate what we did based on their response to these things. And what you're having now is, I believe, on social media is the same thing. Yes, there are a lot of people on social media, and they are making a lot of these crazy comments. But it is driving 
decisions made, sometimes in journalism. It is driving public opinion because a few people put something up on, on Twitter or, or whatever else they want to do on social media, and now we, we're going, oh, my gosh, there's panic in the streets. Uh, but, you know, it, I, I, I was just going to say, Kevin, it's not just social media, and I think that, that social media is partly to blame. But um, I, I was talking to Danny White a few weeks ago about, uh, you know, before, I don't know, maybe they were 6-1 and one or 7-1, and one, and uh, Romo was getting ready to be able to come back and, I wrote a, I write a little piece every week in the Star magazine, the Cowboys magazine, and I wrote a piece about the eighty. Uh, uh, what year was it? Eighty four. The, the that Hogaboom took over, and a, and the gist of my story was: you people think that this is a controversy. You have no idea what a quarterback controversy is. And I talked to Danny White in conjunction with that story, and he talks today still about the fact that he believes that. Fan and newspaper pressure, we're going back 30 years, fan and newspaper pressure held sway with Landry. Uh, you'll remember the 1983 um, or 84 uh, Gary Myers poll in the Dallas Morning News. Yes, we had Gary on the other day and we talked about that. Triggered the whole thing, and so, so Danny, to this day, believes that... Landry fell sway to public pressure, which could only then have been expressed through um, pretty much uh, newspapers. Um, there was there was just barely any talk radio, and so talk radio, I think, is equally part of the problem because hosts and here I know what I'm talking about hosts. Look for conversations that will generate attention. Look, the newspaper's job is to sell papers. It, it's not to be fair or, I mean, that hopefully that's a byproduct. But the newspaper's job is to sell papers. The TV station's job is to get ratings. On the Internet, it's to generate clicks. And if you talk about quarterback controversies across the country and say who should play, People are going to talk about it, whether it has any merit or not. And and there's a guy making millions of dollars on Fox Sports One right now who used to write in this town. No, is there? Career doing that? Is that yes, right? There is. Who is that? That's guy. right. Yeah. And well, and he, he made himself. a career doing that. Yes, writing he has. About things, writing about things that he probably didn't even believe himself and really didn't care. Oh, so, I can't believe that. I got news so for now, you. He's still doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. I'm saying. Yeah. So, so, so what I'm what I'm saying is, it's not just social media. It's it is social media, and it's uh, talk shows, and it's and then, please God, throw in you know the owner who who says, yeah, I like to stir it up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, and, he and, does. And that's part of it, but he's not the reason that uh, that all this was kept going. Because people people in our business ask him questions at press conferences and on radio shows to see what he'll say that they can then turn around and drum up and stir into something. There's never in my mind been any football basis for even having the conversation. As long as the, as the, the guy is playing well, there are 
political ramifications within the framework of a team, as you guys both know, that that come to bear if you change quarterbacks. And especially if you change when a guy's doing what he's doing, it's not even a conversation that reasonable people should be having, And in my opinion. And yet, it's it's been being had for all of the above reasons. And, and even now, even now, uh, you can get as much conversation going on where Tony Romo is going to play next year as you can on what the Cowboys have to do to keep advancing in this year's playoffs, and that just boggles my mind. Oh, absolutely, and I heard a long segment on that on the radio this morning. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. it is the subject for one national headline after another. Uh, the thing that impresses me is given the fact that it was not Dak's best performance last week and that we did hear all of this noise, whether it was our own social media chatter or whether there was any merit to it whatsoever, uh, he responded against a team that's played very well here lately defensively with, with an outstanding game. And, and I wanted to ask both of you guys what that tells you about who Dak Prescott is. You know the thing that impressed me about that is that um, I, I, you know, and I said all along, I think that that the eleven game winning streak, at, at some point, a winning streak starts to take on a life of its own, and it becomes almost to me an onus on a team, and especially when you've got so many young guys uh, on the offense who are playing such key roles. I just think that's a little difficult, and to me, it was like. Look, I picked them to lose that game in New York. I just thought it's a tough place to play. Giants got a good defense. They kind of match up. They kind of give the Cowboys some matchup problems. This would be this wouldn't be a bad thing if they lost up there, and uh, and just take that off and let's just start all over and kind of recalibrate everything and then and then because and I think he demonstrated that Dak did that. This is what he did. He, he bounced back from a game that clearly was not a good game for him, but wasn't, wasn't good for a lot of people on that team as, right. well, as well. And, uh, and, and came back and could not really, I don't think, could have played better than he played uh, uh, last night against a very good defense uh, that has been playing very well. Brett? Well, be- because I'm a uh, loyal and longstanding subscriber of the Dallas Morning News, I'm aware that Kevin wrote that he thought it would help him to lose. And uh, much as it pains me to say this, I, I am in agreement with Nick Saban. I don't think there's anything good ever about losing. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean you can't derive benefit from it. But it, I, think, I, think it, I think winning breeds confidence. I think confidence breeds more success. And uh, there's never been a guy who played a season, especially with the way the Offensive rules and defensive rules are in the NFL. They, who, who had a perfect game every week? It's just not going to happen. They're human beings. Uh, I, I saw Roger Staubach get booed at Texas Stadium. Saw Aikman get booed. Uh, there's got, guys have bad games. I wasn't a bit surprised, Evan, by what he did last night. And the reason I wasn't surprised by it was I've been watching the games for the last 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. It's what he's done. Mm-hmm. It's what he. It, you don't. You don't just come bring a team back uh, from ten points down in the fourth quarter against Philadelphia and score two touchdowns in the last two minutes in Pittsburgh and play your fourth game of your career 
in San Francisco down two touchdowns in the first quarter and come rolling back to it. You just don't do that if you're made of the stuff that's going to crack. He is unusual in the way he is able to block out the extraneous external stuff. He's been boosted and supported by a, a head coach who's that's his whole philosophy of life. And so what he did last night it just doesn't surprise me at all because I think it's what he's been doing all along. I, I, I think it is who he is, but I think we knew who, who he was, and we didn't really have to have a, a bad game in New York to tell us. And, you know, if they would, if they'll be a little smarter about some of the penalties that they commit and trick plays that they call from time to time, you know, then then they may be able to play several extra games. You know, the, the I do think that there are two things that, that I take away from yesterday's football uh, beyond the Cowboys. Uh, and, and one is that, uh, Kevin, you and I both talked about this. We did want to see what happened when Dak Prescott had a bad game and how he responded. And that Giants game was his worst performance of the year. We do know there were extenuating circumstances. The Giants' defense is very good. The pass coverage is good. They applied pressure. And those conditions in New York were, were something that he probably had not experienced. And so the second thing that I, I, I go is to the Giants game yesterday in New York against Detroit and a veteran quarterback there who's a very good quarterback and in less, in less than ideal conditions. Right. And the Giants did the same thing to Matthew Stafford that they did to Dak Prescott. So, for me, that kind of negates I think a lot of, of, of what you would have said on the negative side of Prescott. Here's the problem for me, when we going back to what the expectations are in this market. I think when you look in this market, uh, for as long as the Cowboys have been here, they've pretty much always had at least, at least one really good quarterback. Sometimes they've had more than one really good quarterback at a right. time. Right. As they do now, right. and and I think that this market has been so spoiled by the quarterbacks who have come through here over the years that they just don't, you know. And yes, Texas is king football and all of that, and I've written that a thousand times, and and I, I get all that. But sometimes I'm just amazed at at people, and when they watch football games, they don't understand it's not all about the quarterback. Right. Sometimes these other guys do play a role in this game and what goes right and what goes wrong. And, and you know, it, so many times one of the things that's helped Dak immeasurably is playing behind that offensive line Absolutely. and having that, that running game and, and, the, and the fact that he can sit back there uh, and take his time every once in a while. But, but even having said that, he also has responded very well when he doesn't have time. You know, I, I think that – Well, the, the, his foot speed certainly gives him another way of, of, of sure. making things happen. And that gives him something that Tony can't do anymore. Gave them a weapon to score a very nice touchdown last yeah, night. And that's right. And so I, I think that there are things here that, that he does. But, but someone asked me uh, uh, at our – and, Brad, I couldn't come to the game because we had our Christmas party last night. So I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but the, uh, you're sorry that there was a Christmas party. No, I was not. You don't tell that to my wife either. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Brad but, was sorry. He couldn't come to your party because I, there was a game. There was a yeah, game. He was working. Well, I wasn't invited anyway. So oh, that's, that's, and that's an oversight on our part. But you know, if it weren't for yeah. that, you sure would be a little late now, but yeah. that's all right. Keep going. Okay. Is that someone, <laughs> someone at the party asked me what they, something about Dak and what I like. I said, you know, the thing I like best about him is his head. 
I said, you know, yeah. yeah, he's got some physical skills, and there's no question about that. But, you know, there are a lot of guys with physical skills, and, and a lot of guys in this league with better physical skills than he has. But, boy, that is a really good head on his shoulder. And, and, and I want to – Brad, I want to move on to, to, to something else real quickly, but I, I, I will just bring this point up. You know, last night during the broadcast was mentioned Jameis Winston and Dak Prescott are the same age. Jameis Winston was the number one pick overall. They're both 22 years old. Winston has, what, three years in the league now? This is his second year. Second, second year. Second year. Yeah. Okay, he was the number one pick last year. Uh, and you watch those two quarterbacks on the field last night, and I think there's a dramatic difference in decision-making and, and where Dak is compared to where Jameis Winston is. Yeah, there was no headbutting penalties called on uh, Yeah, Prescott. God, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, and I came very close to using that word, and I backed off and said silly instead. But people get confused and think you say someone did something stupid and think that you're saying that they are stupid. But right, right. Well, Evan, you're completely right. In my judgment, his, his foremost asset is, uh, is his brain, his mm-hmm. judgment, his, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks. We've all seen them. We see them in college. They can make every throw. Guys come out and they can make every throw. If a guy gets to the NFL, some guys have stronger arms than others. Some guys throw better deep balls. Some guys throw better back shoulder fades. They can all throw. The question is, when you're trying to pick one, who's going to make the best decisions? Yep. Yeah. And I, I think that's what they've got in this guy, whether they knew they had that or not. Now, I suspect with all the time that uh, Garrett and Wade Wilson spent with him in the pre-draft process, that they had a pretty good hunch that that's who he was. Obviously, they didn't know he was going to be this good. They wouldn't have waited until the second pick in the fourth round to take him after Charles Tapper. Right, right. But, you know, but, but I think they knew that that was going to be one of his strongest assets. Brad, uh, Brad look, Kevin, you have something, or do you want to move on to David Irving? Irving, let's talk about David Irving. Brad, do the Cowboys have something here in David Irving? I mean, certainly last well, night they did. Yeah, well, you know, he was, don't forget, the fourth quarter he had in Green Bay. He was the defensive player of the week. Right. Um, I, I hope so. He's such a terrific young fella. He's, uh, he's had some bumps in the road. You know, they, he got thrown out of Iowa State. Uh, made some bad decisions, comes from a military family, which I think is one of the reasons he responds so so well to Rod Marinelli. Uh, I asked him last night on the post-game TV show what got into him in the fourth quarter. He said, probably Marinelli yelling at me. <laughs> and I said, did he yell at you, David? He said, yeah, he did. I said, has he done that before? He said, yeah. I said, you ever yell back? He said, I did once when I first got here last year. I said, how'd that go? He said, not, not very well. Yeah. And he, he's got unusual physical traits. Leon Letts worked a lot with him because they have similar traits. Uh, Leon will tell you that he uh, uh, sees the, the same thing, a tall player who has uh, quickness and the ability to bend and therefore play low. Mm-hmm. So he's harder to block. He gets leverage, and he's very strong. And I, I don't know if he's going to be J.J. Watt, but uh, uh, I, I think he can be a guy who, with some time, continued time, he really wants to do well. I, I like the person that he is, uh, uh, his approach to it. He's clearly got some of the physical characteristics 
And uh, again, I think this is one of those deals like we were talking before about success, breeding success. The more he does that, and the more he understands what he's capable of, which I'm not sure has been the case all the way along the road for him, then I think we have more of a chance to see that more often. How many snaps do you think he got last night? <clears throat> That's a good question. More than he usually would get because they were already without Demarcus Lawrence uh-huh. and uh, Cedric Thornton, and then Tyrone Crawford got banged up along the way. So, you know, he could have he could have had upwards of 25 or 30. It wouldn't surprise me. I haven't looked at that yet. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing was, at the end of the game, when he was getting that pressure, he was just running through the tackle on, on those plays. So well, one of the things that, yeah, one of the things that happens is people say, well, where was that before? Well, you know, one of the issues for Tampa is their offensive line is not great. And that was the second game that Gazer Charles has played at right tackle for the, for their starter who had a concussion. And, you know, it kind of makes sense that an, an older guy who's struggling a little bit anyway, if you can get him, keep it close, and and uh, get him to have to react and do some things late in the game, he may not be able to do them against a uh, guy with Irving's physical characteristics. So uh, I think they knew that going in. And one reason it doesn't happen every week is some, some weeks you face better tackles. Guys who are stronger or smarter know how to use your leverage against you. And then, so then this is the part of it that fascinates me. Then Marinelli might look at Detroit and say, you know, we, we think we can get something up the middle with him. So he might play more tackle than that. Right, right. And, 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 of course, then part of that's influenced by the apparent stunning imminent return of of Randy Gregory. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe he plays in. Who knows? Right. I wouldn't count on that. Um, I, I wouldn't either, but I wasn't counting on 12 and 2 either. No, you're right. Uh, this is the thing that gets me. I, I made this comment two, two or three weeks ago when everybody was talking about, you know, well, what if Dak has a couple of bad games in a row? How many would it take? Oh, my God. And, and my personal opinion was the guy's playing for the rest of the year. I, the, yeah. only, the only way I see him coming out of a game is if they decide that the Philadelphia means nothing and they decide, you know, let's let Tony play the second half. Or. If uh, in a playoff game and it gets going bad and Dak's just playing really poorly and they and they and so the, Kevin, at Kevin, that point you might do that. Yeah. Stop for a second. So what is it? Which Tony Romo are you going to put in? Well, I, that that was going to be my that was my point when we were talking about that for the New York game. It's like so you're going to people were talking about should they put Tony in? It's like so what do you think is going to happen when you put Tony in? Do you do you think something really is it guaranteed that something good is going to happen here? He hasn't played football in over a year and he's only played a game and a half in two years yes and and, and why, so why, why do we think we're going to get the tony the tony romo of mid-season rolling in 2014 you won't get that for three weeks because because he's the backup quarterback and that's what we always get is that kind of conversation yeah. Yeah. but but here's exactly. here, here was my point my point was that, listen i think the cowboys will lose because of their defense before they lose because of dak well, that really wasn't the case because the defense played really well in uh, in New York, and they, and the defense has played played well again last night for the most part. Yeah. A few little hiccups here and there, but we're seeing improvement. Why do you think we're seeing improvement in the defense? Um, the, the formula was written two years ago. Um, they they they're outmanned physically. Yes. So if the offense does its job, 
which it didn't do in New York. Right. And still the defense was, was able to hold a, a bad offensive team to 10 points. But if the, if the offense does its job, which means not only keeping them off the field, but also scoring points and giving them a little breathing room, a little leeway, then this defense has a chance to succeed if it plays really smart, assignment sound, gap control, multiple men to the ball, all the time, and tackle well. And they didn't do that last year. They did do that two years ago. Now, you have, a, you have one great player in Sean Lee. Right. You have uh, some good players. I think you have guys in the secondary playing better than they have played. I think Mo Claiborne was having a phenomenal year, starting with training camp. Hopefully for the last game they'll get him back and they'll have him in the playoffs. I think Brandon Carr has played the best football that he's played since he's worn this uniform. The safeties have stepped up. Wilcox improved. Yeah. So, so some guys have, have been better players than they were, but basically they buy into the team concept that if you just all do your job and work together, we can be good enough. We can be in the right place at the right time and you know, you get four guys tackling one guy. The rules in the NFL are designed to have guys like Jameis Winston and Mike Evans make plays. Mike Evans caught five balls last night for like 70 yards or something. He's kind of a nightmare. Yeah, you know, six five yeah. guy runs like he does. Then he's yeah. a nightmare. Well, right. they're gonna, they're going fi- to they're going to face that guy in the playoffs. They're going to face Julio Jones or they're going to face uh, right. Odell that's Beckham. Right. They're going to face that guy again. Yeah, that's right. And and just look at the way the league is. Look, the Cowboys are the only team in the league that runs more than they throw. Right. Third and one is a passing down. And that's what the the league is because the rules have been the rules of play have been designed to set that up because they think it sells. Then you get to the playoffs every year, and suddenly running the ball and playing defense seems to have some value. So they're going to give up some plays, and it's okay as long as their offense is doing what it needs to do to help out, and the defense does what it's capable of and try, doesn't try to do more than that. All right, Brad. Um, this team, uh, listen, this game against Detroit on Sunday, I, Monday. I think is, is, is Monday. Monday. That's right. It's a Monday night game. It, it, it settles so much. They win this game. They've got home field advantage. I think that's essential to this playoff because I, I, I think – you can you can certainly make a case that if they play the Giants here, uh, I think the edge this time goes to them. If they play them in New York, I think it's much more of a toss up. What really hard to beat somebody three times? Though, it is hard here. to beat somebody three times. But that Giant defense is good. It, it is it, good. It, it'll neutralize when you, a lot when of you won those. You won two games by a total of four points. Yeah, yeah, and one on a, They spent one hundred and fifty million dollars on it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It better be good. And, and I mean, they might not win the first game if. Terrence Williams gets out of bounds, and they yeah. might not no, win the. No, stop that! Stop that! That would have set up a sixty-yard field goal. They might have won the first game if if Cole Beasley had caught a wide-open pass in the first quarter at the five-yard line, or if Des Bryant had caught a uh, uh, caught a difficult ball that you expect your star receiver to make in the end zone in the second quarter. Terrence Williams made a bad decision 
but he had taken way too much of a beating. That, that was not going to win him the game. That was going to be a 60-something yard field goal try. All right, I'll buy that. And now your and now your field goal kicker's really crummy. He's missed. Uh, he missed two. Yeah, uh, terrible. Sudden. Yeah, they better fire him. Yeah, that's what I say. Get rid of that guy. The yeah, first a- one. I, I don't know what happened on the fifty-two yarder, and and frankly, I expect when he misses that kick that way that uh, there's something wrong with him. The fifty-six yarder, I, I'm not sending him out for. Yeah. I think right. that's a recipe for failure. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I guess what I'm getting to in a roundabout way is, do you? What team poses the greatest set threat to this team not getting to Houston? Yeah, you know, they, they all do. Um, Atlanta can score points by the bucket full. Uh, Seattle knows how to play in these games. And uh, they've got some really good people. I mean, the Giants have beaten them twice. You have to say the Giants. Uh, anybody they play poses a threat, but I think what they've done is make the statement that there's really nobody that they can't beat. That right. doesn't mean that there's anybody that they will beat everybody, but there's nobody who's clearly better than them. And um, I, I, I think that you know, venue is going to be important. Weather will be important. Yes. And you know, the funny thing is, although I think there's virtually no chance that it'll happen. If the Giants lose to Philadelphia Thursday night, Cowboys have clinched everything. Yeah. Right. You know, it's interesting to me about this, you know, because we, we talk, we've written stories. I want you to pick one, though, Kevin. I want pick you to pick, pick a team that you do not want this team to play. Uh, no, I don't, right now, I would have – I would have well. I, I, you would say the Giants because they lost to them twice, but just because of the reasons I said, I, just, I think it's almost impossible to beat somebody three times in one season. You mean like the Cowboys beat the Eagles three times in '09? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. So you know, we we've seen things like this happen, and and, and, and of course, anything can happen in, in the postseason, and we know that. But here's a remarkable thing to me. Remember when we when we talked about the when we used to write stories about the fact that the, the Cowboys did not have a home field advantage, right? Uh, not yeah, they do now though. Yeah, they got one now, and I'm wondering how much of that has to do with the young guys on the team uh, and uh, and the mindset of you know they're not they weren't part of all of that. I don't know how much of it's just a development of the team and what's happened, but now they do have uh, of all yeah. types to have a home field advantage. They do have one now, right. and and now you're playing for one. Uh, it, this is just all kind of setting up for me to go all the way to Houston. Listen, when you're tw- yeah, when, you're, I, I, when you're twelve and two, you've got a home field advantage. Yeah. There's, but but I'll but I'll tell you, there's another factor, and and I hear it from fans all the time. There is it's the freshness of the two rookies in particular. Mm-hmm. That there, I, I had two two fans. One worked at the stadium. One was just a fan. Stopped me last night and say. This is this is even better than two years ago, because there was always the fear with Romo that either something was going to break, or I think unfairly that he was going to make a mistake that cost you late. I, I think that's a bad rap. I never felt that way about him. Don't feel that way about him now. But fans did, and this is new and fresh and promising for the future and i think part of that fan difference is that people feel differently about these guys they they there's no baggage with these guys there's no baggage no people can identify with the ethic and the approach of the defense 
you know, the mighty orphans. Uh, there's no big stars. You know, they tried the big stars last year, didn't work. And so they, they just they feed on blue-collar effort. And then you got these two young kids who are promising not only this year, they're promising the future. They're promising this is what we're going to be for a long time. That's what fans feel. I, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I think that's what fans feel. And I think that's part of the reason that they suddenly have a home field advantage. Yeah, I, that's one thing I worry about with the Cowboy fan base is that this team hasn't played a playoff game yet, and fans are already right. counting on a dynasty. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, look, and then there's all kinds of things that can go wrong in these games, you know. And, and Welcome to Dallas, Evan. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, yeah. and that's, but I do think, uh, you know, I, I look at the, I look around the league, and, and I and I think, well, who's, you know, when we were talking about quarterback play earlier, when everybody was saying, well, oh, Dax played two bad games. Listen, five interceptions by Russell Wilson, that's a bad game. Right. Three interceptions yeah, right. by Aaron Rodgers, that's a bad game. Right. The kid right. has not played a bad He didn't play great in those two games. It, it was his worst game. It was it was, it was worked by, it, by his high standard he'd already right. set. It's his, it, it was. But it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, the kid was just clueless out right. there. I mean, right. I, I watched right. poor Jared Goff in that game the other day, and I mean, bless his <laughs> heart. Oh, yeah. my gosh. He's getting killed for one thing back there. But secondly right. – even when he's not getting killed, he just doesn't look very good. He's making bad decisions. I don't know if he's rattled. I don't know what it is. And I'm thinking, boy, it is light years between that guy and Dak Prescott and what we've seen this year. Light years between them. All right, so I'm going to make this case. I, Seattle without Earl Thomas and on the road, I don't think Seattle poses as much of a threat. Brad makes a great point. They know how to play in these games. They've yeah. got experience, and maybe something happens to ramp them up for the playoffs. To me, having watched them on the road, their offense doesn't get anything started on the road. Yeah, Atlanta, I do think, poses some real challenges for your defense because they are very offensively ex- gifted. Yeah, uh, and if they have Julio Jones back and at full health and Mohamed Sanu, they've they've, they've got some really talented skill players. Uh, that said, and, and I do think also, you know, the Falcons have seen their own development on defense. I think Vic Beasley has really become a playmaker for them very quickly here. But I, I don't – this this is also a team, if you want – is there a freshness there? Who knows? But they're a team with a history of not making the big play in the big game. And, and I think if you play in Dallas, uh, it's, a, it's a decided advantage for the Cowboys. The Giants is a coin flip for me. But I see no reason why this team cannot beat the Giants. And I think if they play in Dallas again, I I, I do give the edge to, to the Cowboys here. Yeah, me too. Brad, I, I have Makes one. Sense to me. I have one uh, just quick strategy question for you that, that I wondered about last night. Before the last Bailey field goal, the Cowboys were at the 21, I think, or 22, and were face, facing a fourth and one up 23-20. Were you? At, oh no, they were closer than that. They were at the fifteen. They were at the fifteen. Okay, so were you at all surprised that they did not go for fourth on fourth and one there and try and put this in, as a ten point game? I wasn't surprised because I can see the thinking, but um, I would have done it. And Babe and I talked about that during the game. The, the, the way they were going at that point. Now they had just had a third and two, and been held to a yard. So there's no guarantee you're going to make it. Garrett's thinking was, as he has explained since, uh, if we don't make it, then they only have to get to the 30-yard line to kick a field goal to tie the game. 
and I would rather have them need a touchdown and have to go the whole way. Mm-hmm. And his defense, his defense proved him right. I would have gone for it for that very same reason, because it, it, once it's two scores, then you're done with the amount of time that was left. But I understand his thinking. Yeah, I agree with you. I would have I would have gone for it too, but I did see what he was thinking. I, I thought, you know, yes, you're you're making them score a touchdown here instead of kicking a field goal, right? And and you're at home, uh, and and I think that 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 to me was was the, the really the, the key there. And, and I I just thought I, on I, the road I'd have gone for it. I think I I thought fourth and one with that offensive line, and it did seem like like Tampa Bay's defense had been worn down a little bit by the. By the fourth quarter, I thought that was a, a an opportunity to just put this game away once and for all and leave no doubt. Well, it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity, but again, they had just they had just held them to a yard on third and two. Yeah. Right, yeah. that was fresh in his mind. All right. Well, this has been a uh, this has been a great discussion, Brad. Um, Have you gone to the checkout line yet? No, and my lettuce is starting to wilt. Oh my gosh, your lettuce is starting to wilt. I think we should use that from now on as a catchphrase for you. And my yeah. my lettuce is starting yeah. to wilt. I gotta, I Actually, you know what? I, my lettuce is starting to wilt. I'm gonna yeah. give that. I'm gonna give that to Eric for a catchphrase. Like when Darvish starts to fatigue in the sixth inning from yeah. now on, it'll be. Oh, his lettuce is starting. His to wilt. lettuce is starting or, to wilt out there. Or Gina folks. may use it on you, talking about yeah. the, your your lettuce has wilted. <laughs> she may have already. Um, Brad, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we're gonna wish you a happy, happy Hanukkah. Um, thank you. And. Uh, 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 we expect that you will be busy into uh, well into the new year. Into the new year. Well, yeah. I, I certainly hope that's the case. I always enjoy being with you guys. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Thanks, Take care, Brad. Brad. See ya. There goes Brad. There he goes through the checkout line. Through the che- I don't think he's going through the express line. No, no. I, don't think I mean, so. it sounded like he was doing a big shop there. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, do we have anything else to hit on the Cowboys? No, you know, I, I think that I think the thing about the, watching that game to me, it's, it's almost see when I when I wrote that thing about them losing is because I'm just I'm, I'm I get tired of all the everybody getting all excited. That, oh my gosh, now they've won twelve. They've got to keep on winning. And you, both I, your I think both your points are really sound. Look, all things considered, you hope your team never loses. Okay, but I think that in the maturation of a young quarterback to face some adversity. I think all the noise that we heard from outside, whether it was talk show, whether it was the the, the owner trying to um, make Tony feel better, or or make or try and quote unquote light a fire, which I think is unnecessary under Dak. I, I think the way he handled it was phenomenal, uh, exceptional. Uh, the way he came out last night and in yeah. thirty two of thirty six passes, uh, the second highest. Uh, rating ever, yeah, efficiency, efficiency rating, rating ever, yeah, yeah. Um, to Tony Romo, by the way, says it just says it says volumes to me about where this kid is, and and I look at him and I see a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes, even even in on the last possession yesterday. You know, he slides short of the first down rather than trying to force a pass there, mm-hmm. and I don't have an issue with that. I don't either. You know, the, the funny thing about it was with him, early in the season, and, and certainly he was a, he's a rookie just starting out, fourth-round rookie, he's unbelievable, and, and he, was, he was dumping everything underneath early on. That's why Cole Beasley was on a pace to catch like 110 passes at right. one point. And, and Jason went and catched and he, he caught 10 last night, so he was a safety valve last, last night, no question about it. But, but what we see now, last night was not just – he's not dumping balls off. 
He's throwing the ball downfield. He's throwing the ball all over the place. There were a lot of big gains in that game that he made pass on. Now, he did dump off a few, but there were some really nice balls thrown downfield. He didn't throw the prototypical bomb. I mean, but he, but no, he, but threw, it's some, like, he threw some 15 and 20-yard. We, we heard Tony Dungy say it, and I, I love Tony Dungy. He does, a, he does a phenomenal job and was a great coach. But one of the things he said after the game was that, well, yeah, okay, he played well. He played about as he he played. He couldn't play any better than he played. Zeke was great, and and he said, but you look at the fact that Tampa Bay had four turnovers in that game, and they were still driving at the end of the game trying to win it. But my point to that was too was that we also saw a Cowboys touchdown called back by a holding call. We also saw Des Bryant drop a touchdown. Uh, he's standing in the end zone. He catches the ball. He's supposed to catch that ball. He he went over and yelled at Bryce Butler last week when he dropped one in the end right. zone. Uh, he's got to make that catch. So this is a game that and two missed field and goals. two missed field goals. That's a game you could have won by twenty points. Right. I, I I I felt like by the middle of the fourth quarter, I felt like the Cowboys had the game in hand, even yeah. though you know it was a a three point game at that point in time. Uh, I, I felt like the Cowboys had it in hand. Um, I had a question for you. So I, you know, they've been on Sunday Night Football the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, they're going to be on Monday night right. next week. Um, and, and obviously those they were get, flexed games, by the way. They get a lot of Joe Buck and, and, and Troy Aikman. And, and since you and I are not regularly part of the Cowboys crew at the stadium, who do you like? What what team do you like listening to the most? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I I, I I love listening to the guys on the radio. I, I wish I knew how to get great radio quality in my house there is actually i believe there is a device where you can sync them up so that you're not like eight seconds behind really that would be super but, i'd love to uh, have that because i love brad and, and babe i think they're terrific i i you know uh i don't really have a problem with anybody uh i i think they're all at least good enough uh i, I do think that, that that troy and buck are really good i, I think troy's I, I i just love troy's analysis i i think he's He's uh, he's got a real comprehension of the player's mind and also looking at it from an analytical standpoint. I like Collinsworth. I, th- there was a point in time where I was not a big Collinsworth fan, but I, I do think he brings an awful lot. I, I, they're two different styles. Uh, Collinsworth is more opinionated and will tell you his opinion more than Troy will. Uh, I, I think the thing that, that with Collinsworth sometimes is I feel like, like Chris is pointing out how a play should be run in perfection. When we all know that that too often there's going to be a busted assignment somewhere or something go wrong, and, and it's hard to criticize constantly. Well, one of the things that we saw with, with Collinsworth a couple of weeks ago was him talking about a, a tackle having such problems in a game, and he went on and you know, and it, it was it was fascinating to me. He said, look at look what he's doing here, and when he's not doing, he's not picking up the, the speed rusher coming around the corner here, and, and it's because he's got his hands too low, he needs to get his hands up higher. Right. This was all really fascinating stuff to me, and, and, and especially in the process of a game. How many times do you see an analyst talking about an offensive tackle? Which he did about three or four different times. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really, they were key plays in the game. And it, and it gave you really valuable insight onto what goes on here in the offensive line. And that's coming from an old wide receiver. Right. So, uh, and, and Troy won't go into that kind of depth. And he won't talk about things like that. But I do really like Troy because he, he speaks to the heart of the matter. And he's not afraid of, of, of controversy. He was one of the first ones to say uh, about, you know, uh, Tony Romo, he, really, are, are, are you going to really bring Tony Romo back now? During the Green Bay game, I thought he was very 
direct and blunt, basically saying, you don't mess with this kind of a run. Yes. This is, you, you don't tempt this fate. This is uh, exceptional work that the Cowboys are getting, and, and, and you are you run the risk of, of impacting other aspects of the, of the team. So I, I've just really enjoyed what I've seen on TV this year. Uh, from the analysts, I, I think that the, the the Cowboys fans have certainly, you know, it's it's always easier for me in the car to to listen on the radio because um, I don't want to watch TV while I'm driving the car. That's a, that's uh, a bad idea. Uh, I'll just stick with the texting. Good for you. Um, yeah, good for you. Uh, but I I don't. I also it drives me crazy if I've got any kind of delay. Uh, between the TV and the radio, so, yeah, that wouldn't be good. So in the house, I I I, I do watch the the national broadcast, and I, I just I, I think that uh, the national the the front line national broadcast teams are really really good. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. no question. Uh, all right, well, we will um we'll get out of here and uh, uh, take our winter hiatus. We're we're not going to be here next week. No, no podcast next week. So just watch this one again. Uh, it's really good stuff. Oh. Uh, or listen to this one again. It's really good stuff. Watch man. or listen because this one's on Facebook Live. So. Yeah, it's on Facebook Live. Um, and I'll share it. But uh, uh, we will be back right after the first of the year. I'm sure we'll have some college stuff to talk about. We'll start to get into Rangers Baseball Hall of Fame. And we'll still, with, with Pudge Rodriguez, and we'll still be very getting, uh, we'll be getting closer and closer to spring training. So yeah, um, we'll, we'll have some stuff to actually talk about on the field. Maybe and, on colleges we'll see who else b- bailed out of the bowl games. Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, both saying, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. I, what's your thought on that? What's your quick thought? Well, my quick thought is is that Jalen Smith, you know, Jalen Smith has, doesn't play in that bowl game last year. Doesn't get hurt. He doesn't get hurt. He's a top five pick. He mm-hmm. goes from a top five pick to the second round, and, and people, most people would say, went too high in the second round right. to the Cowboys. Right. So uh, I, I get it, but – what kind of message are you sending your team? And what are you saying about the bowl system? Right. You were saying bowls don't count. You're basically saying these games don't matter. Yes. Yeah. And, I yeah. mean, golly. I just Imagine how you feel if you're the Sun Bowl. You're going to get Christian McCaffrey, a guy who Last probably was second in the Heisman. Yes, and probably got screwed on that and probably got screwed on the, on the voting this year. He had a better year this year, really, than last year, even though he was hurt. Right. And and he ends up, uh, you know, what, was he ninth or something ridiculous like that? It's it's uh, it's an uncomfortable precedent to set, but I don't think that that teams playing in a in a New Year's Day six or 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 a, uh, in a playoff situation, I don't think you'd see a, a player back out for that. But, no, but you're gonna. I tell you what, the the uh, floodgates have been open, and yes, boy, you're gonna see this happen all across the board. Now now the guys are just gonna be flooding out. You will you will, will see play. a lot more of it. A lot more. Um, should be interesting, and, and I, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's it's definitely um, kind of a slippery slope that you that you risk there. Uh, but that was today's development. All right, we are going to get out of here. We have uh, spent too long. Kevin's got to go do Sports Day on Air. Sports Day on Air. He is the multimedia king Fox today. Fox Sports Southwest. Um, and when we come back in two weeks, Barry may be with us to offer up a couple of little no Mod mods. Uh, so 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 long, everybody. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.